0: So today we're rounding out the final part, part three of a sermon series called The 2020 Path. And so the idea is that we want to follow Jesus in 2020. And what would it look like if we just followed Jesus in the year 2020? And that if you want to have a good year this year, follow Jesus. If you follow Jesus, it'll be fine. If you don't, it probably won't be fine. And so the first part, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, I didn't use these big fancy words, but here's the secret. This is a sermon on prevenient grace, justifying grace, and sanctifying grace. Part one, we talked about prevenient grace. That's what we talked about. I didn't use those words. God accepts you just as you are, and the only way that God ever accepts you is as you are. God's grace comes before you even know about it or want it. And so that was part one. And then last week we talked about justifying grace. We talked about the fact that we need to be made right with God. And the only way that happens is by complete and total surrender, not partial surrender, that we have to give all of ourselves. God has given all of himself to us, and we must respond by giving all of ourselves to God. And that puts us on the path, right? So then how do we stay on the path? How do we follow? And that's this third part today, which is sanctifying grace. God working in our lives to make us who we are meant to be. What does that look like? How do we follow God? How do we stay on the path? Um, One of the scriptures that I think just sums this up, the whole path so well, uh, is in the book of Psalms. Psalm chapter 40. It's always been one of my favorites. Um, I could always relate to it. Always, I don't think there's ever a moment in my life that I don't relate to the need for God to take me out of the miry bog, out of the clay, and to put my feet on a rock. I mean, I feel that way every week, you know. God, please get me out of, I'm stuck. I need you to put me on a rock, on a firm foundation, and I need you to put a new song in my mouth. And so I invite you, again, to stand as you are able, in body or in spirit. And I'd like us to read this psalm responsibly. So I'll read a line, and then you can read a line. If you don't, y'all want to sit? I hear the delay. I, I sense it. The congregation's like, are we Episcopal today? What in the world? All right. So as you are able, in body or in spirit, let's stand as we read. I'll read a line, then you read a line. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in him. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, who does not look to the proud, to those who turn aside to false gods. Many, Lord my God, are the wonders you have done, the things you planned for us. None can compare with you. Were I to speak and tell of your deeds, they would be too many to declare. Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, But my ears you have opened. Burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not require. Then I said, Here I am, I have come, it is written about me in the scroll. I desire to do your will, my God, your law is within my heart. I proclaim your saving acts in the great assembly. I do not seal my lips, Lord, as you know. I do not hide your righteousness in my heart. I speak of your faithfulness and your saving help. I do not conceal your love and your faithfulness from the great assembly. Do not withhold your mercy from me, Lord. May your love and faithfulness always protect me. For troubles without number surround me. My sins have overtaken me and I cannot see. They are more than the hairs of my head and my heart fails within me. Be pleased to save me, Lord. Come quickly, Lord, to help me. May all who want to take my life be put to shame and confusion. May all who desire my ruin be turned back in disgrace. May those who say to me, Aha, aha, be appalled at their own shame. But may all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who long for your saving help always say, The Lord is great. But as for me, I am poor and needy. May the Lord think of me. You are my help and my deliverer. You are my God. Do not delay. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Psalm 40 contains so much profound wisdom. For what living a life in God ought to look like. What it should look like. What it does look like. And it begins with waiting. Waiting. The uncommon path. Following Jesus in this culture, even in the Bible Belt. Following Jesus is an uncommon path. It's the, it's the road less traveled. It's the narrow way. Few, few find it. And God is the one who raises our life from the pit, who puts our feet on a rock and puts a new song in our mouth. God is the one who does that. What do we do? We wait we wait on God. We don't rush ahead in self-sufficiency. Uh, one of my favorite bands is U2 uh, from Ireland. Uh, great uh, rock band. They're Christians. A lot of people don't know that. They're my favorite Christian. You like Christian music? Oh, yeah, I like U2. Oh, yeah, you got it. Yeah, Bono is a Christian. And, um, and, and so they were recording their album, War. Uh, back in the 80's and they needed one more song and they, they had been in the studio all night they only had like an hour left of studio time and so they quickly came up with a, they had this bass riff that they were working on and, and it's a really legendary deal how they, they kind of just threw this song together Bono opened the Bible and looked at Psalm 40 and he riffed on Psalm 40 to come up with the lyrics I waited patiently for the Lord He inclined and heard my cry. He brought me up out of the pit, out of the miry clay. And I will sing, sing a new song. Have you all heard that one? I will sing, sing a new song. And then it has this beautiful chorus. How long to sing this song? How long to sing this song? How long, how long, how long, how long? To sing this song. And if you get on YouTube later, look it up. They closed their concerts for years with 40. And they would one by one walk off the stage. And the the, the congregation, I really believe YouTube makes their, they design their concerts to be worship services. And that's why they're so beloved even by secular people who have no idea. They're being invited into worship. They're singing They're singing so many lyrics that are rooted in Scripture. And so, but many, there was one in Johannesburg, South Africa, during the time when apartheid was so terrible and the people were so oppressed. And not just the people of color, but the white people as well. So oppressed by being a part of such an evil, corrupt system. Of segregation and hatred and violence and oppression, and and they sang. They closed with forty, and it just went on and on and on. I mean, I, they sang it for like fifteen. No, no one, no one on stage, and the people gathered there just singing. But the, here's what's interesting. The song, the U2 song, actually echoes Psalm 40. Because did you see how Psalm 40 begins with like trusting God and God's put my feet on the rock and He's given me a new place to stand and I tell of Your marvelous deeds. But then it ends with like save me, O oh God, save me, O oh God. I need Your help. How long, O oh Lord? Did you notice that? A lot of psalms start with the how long, how long, but they end up recounting the deeds of the Lord. Psalm 40 starts with recounting the deeds of the Lord, and it ends with this sense of, I need you, God. I need you now. So it makes you wonder, is He still in the pit? And so we wait. And I love that that song 40 by you 2 um, invites the, the, the concert audience... To say how long. It invites them into that waiting space. We're longing for God to make us right, to make the world right, to make ourselves right. And so, as we wait, as we wait on God, and we allow God to work in our lives this year, three things happen. First is we learn to trust, we learn to trust. We see the Lord. We fear the Lord. We, when we wait on the Lord, we learn to trust in the Lord. We don't trust in ourselves. We don't trust human leaders. We don't overly rely on friends or family. Of course, we want to rely on others in the Christian church and bear one another's burdens. But we don't make other people our Lord. We don't make human leaders our Lord. We don't make... We don't overly rely on even our own friends and family. We rely on God. We rely on God alone. As we wait on the Lord, we learn to trust in the Lord and rely on Him. Psalm 40 verse 4 says, Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, who does not look to the proud, to those who turn aside to false gods. So we learn to trust. And as we wait on the Lord, another thing happens. We become aware of our own sinfulness. If you will spend time seeking the Lord, you will become aware of your sinfulness. And you will, I pray, not be like the scoffers and the mockers, but you will desire to be done away with that sin. You know, become aware of the sin and say, "I don't want this anymore." In Psalm forty, verse eleven and twelve, it says, "Do not withhold your mercy from me, Lord. May your love and faithfulness always protect me, for troubles without number surround me. My sins have overtaken me, and I cannot see." Do you see how the psalmist connects his troubles to his own sin? When we wait on the Lord, we begin to see our part. We begin to see our sin and not just the sins of others. And, and we get tired of it. We get tired of our sin, I pray. And we beg God for mercy. Troubles without numbers surround me. My sins have overtaken me and I cannot see. When we're living in sin... We can't see the truth. We can't see the path. We can't see who God wants us to be. We wander around like those in the darkness, fumbling, stumbling. We can't see. The psalmist says, They are more, his sins are more than the hairs of my head, and my heart fails within me. When we are, are just overtaken by our own sinfulness, And by the way, because I know most of you here today are very righteous and uh, holy. I can see that. Got a a few gray-haired Christians in the house today. I like gray-haired Christians. I don't have many gray hairs yet, but I'm losing my hair. So that's, you wouldn't know if they're gray because they're falling out. See, that's my trick. But I like gray-haired Christians because you've been following Jesus a while. Right? But I want to remind us all in this room, no matter what color your hair is, that the sin is not always the gross sins. So sometimes we think sinfulness and we think like the, the baddies, the biggies, and of course those will ruin you. But there's just sin of pride, of self sufficiency. There are, there are sins of the Spirit as well as sins of the flesh. And so sometimes we get past some of our sins of the flesh and then but you're still sinful. And it affects our heart. I like how he connects that. My sin is more than the hairs of my head and my heart fails within me. And so as we wait on the Lord, There's this invitation to repent and to say to God, I need you to remove my sin from me, remove my lust, remove this gluttony, remove this sloth, remove this spiritual pride, remove this lackadaisicalness in prayer, remove I need you to remove these things. And as you wait, you will feel God drawing you out of the mire and putting your feet on the rock and putting a new song in your mouth. And so the third thing that happens when we wait upon the Lord, we learn to trust, we repent, and the third thing, is all through this song, is we witness. Did you see that? I mean, one reading of this psalm I did with some folks this week that the person said, kind of sounds to me like he's bragging. I'll tell him what you've done. Yeah, I'll tell him what you've done in my life. And it, it could sound like bragging, but it's not. We share the good news of what God has done. It's only by being rooted in Christ. Like, One word that the New Testament writers use for this is called abiding. Abide in me as I abide in you. I love that word. We don't use that word anymore. Where do you abide? Welcome to my humble abode. But what if we abide in God? We, we make our home in God and God makes His home in us. As you and I wait upon the Lord, as we abide in Christ every day, one day at a time, every morning, starting our day, abiding in Christ, every evening, saying thanks to God. As we abide in Christ, we learn there's an overflow. If you don't abide in Christ and you're just bragging about God all the time, that's going to ring false. And it will sound like bragging. But there is a, hum- a humble telling when I'm abiding in Christ... My life is rooted in God, and so it points to God. So that, this is the neat thing about it. Instead of everything in your life and every word that comes out of your mouth being about you, it becomes about what God is doing instead of what I am doing or what my church is doing or what my family is doing or what my business is doing. It, do you see how your language will begin to change? It will be, what God is doing in my business What God is doing in my family. What the Lord is doing in my life. What the Lord is doing in my church. Not what Byron Methodist is doing for the Lord. Do you see the subtle difference between a people, a person who abides in Christ, a church that abides in Christ, as opposed to a church that is frantically running here and there making sure that we do everything that we're supposed to do and what well, we always do the so we've got to do it again and we're super I mean, uh, right slow down abide wait i waited for the lord what's the lord doing in your life do you even know do you even know what the lord is doing in your life i promise he's doing something do you even know course been visiting violet graham we miss her she's so sick and it's just so sudden and it's hard i mean i'm in shock still trying to wrap my mind around this and um you know she was terribly ill in the hospice place and then she got to come home and i went out to joe and violet's house um, and uh beautiful seven acres that they live on and she's sitting in her recliner with a blanket over her, and her daughter's there caring for her, and Joe is there caring for her. And it's just sad. I mean, right? It's just like, what can you do? And they have a piano in the room. And y'all know me. It's like, I don't, I don't have any words to say, but and I have no idea if the piano's in tune or not, but I just said... I'm going to play the piano. So I said, can I play your piano? She said, oh, yes, come play that piano, Tom. And she said, in fact, come, every time you come, just play that piano. That's all I want. So I get on there, and I start playing a little bit, and I start singing um, in the garden. I start singing, I come to the garden alone. And guess what? She starts singing, and she sounds pretty good for somebody who is near death. She sounds, And, of course, people always say, Tom, I wish you could have heard her way back when. Um, she had a tremendous voice. But she sounded beautiful. And then she demanded her daughter get in there and sing with us later. And her daughter's like, Mom, I already sang. She's like, I want you to sing again. Sing, sing. You know, she's like, you're going to sing with me. And I'm not going to lie to you. We made some pretty sweet three-part harmony over there at the Graham house. And then another visit, she wasn't in that same room, and the piano wasn't there, but we still sang a little bit. But she said, Tom, I always sing. I've always sung. And I probably will misquote her, but it was, the gist of it was this. I don't understand. I know everybody can't sing, you know, and not everybody has a pretty voice. But one day she said she met one of her neighbors, and her neighbor said, and this is a pretty big piece of land. So the neighbor's not like right next door, you know, and the neighbor says, Well, you must have been mopping today. Mopping, why do you say that? I can hear you singing. And she said, But Tom, I always sing. I always have a song in my heart. I I and I think she said she heard somebody say, I used to sing, but you know, I don't really sing anymore. And she said, I I can't imagine that. I always have a song in my heart. And I guess that's for me, like, I can sing, you know, loud, you know, but I don't always have a song in my heart. Do you know what I'm saying? I don't always want to sing. I think one of the probably terrible things about the 20th and the 21st century, quite honestly, is the invention of electricity, which has given us radio and television and now these phones, because... We used to have to make our own music, right? So we don't, I mean, I can't even imagine, probably no one in this room can really imagine a time before radio when everyone would do what Violet did. Because if you wanted music, you going to have to sing it. We didn't have a phonograph. Does that make sense what I'm saying? So, but that's an excuse, that, or, you know, yeah, that's, that's a fact. We now have... Nice little Bluetooth speakers and all that cool jazz. And I love that too. But do you have a song in your heart? See, if you're going to be on the path of following Jesus in 2020, you're going to be waiting upon Him. He's going to be working in your life. He's going to stir something up in your heart. And again, I'm not saying it has to be a pretty song. That's why the Bible says make a joyful noise. It doesn't say make joyful music. so right? It says make a joyful noise. But you're going to have to make some noise. I mean, I don't want to read that whole psalm again, but over and over and over in that psalm it says, like for instance in verse 9 and 10, I proclaim your saving acts in the great assembly. I do not seal my lips, Lord, as you know. I do not hide your righteousness in my heart. I speak of your faithfulness and your saving help. I do not conceal your love and your faithfulness from the great assembly. And so when you and I are on the path of following Jesus, it, it necessarily must spring forth. Yes, we don't want to um, do our acts of righteousness in front of others in order to be seen by them, like the, like the most hypocritical Pharisees. We don't want to be like that, but we do want to let our light so shine Before others that they may see our good works and praise our Father in heaven, giving glory to him. So isn't that both of those, by the way, are quotes of Jesus in the same chapter of the Bible. (laughs) Don't don't do your acts of righteousness in order to be seen, but let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works. What a conundrum, right? How do we we thread that needle? How do we we live this life where there's supposed to be overflow, but we're not trying to gain attention for it? Again, I believe it comes back to waiting. To waiting on the Lord. That time spent in abiding with Christ so that I know my life is not for me. My life is not from me. My life is for God. God. My life is from God. All of life is a gift from God. And all of life is to be lived for God. But that, man, my heart, maybe not your heart, but my heart, I want a bit of that action. I, I, I I want people to like Tom. I'm a people pleaser. I want people to think, well, it's hard, right? At least for me. Some of you aren't cursed with that. But some of you need to be nicer. (laughs) (laughs) You're okay, good. You're not a people pleaser. But could you be nice at least, right? (laughs) You've won that battle. So if we're going to follow Jesus, this is the life of holiness. This is the life of being perfected in love by God. Prevenient grace, God draws us to Himself. Justifying grace, God saves us and redeems us, forgives us of our sin by the work of Jesus Christ. And then sanctifying grace, by God's grace. This is not, we don't start off on God's grace and then we finish the work in our own strength. No! It's by God's grace we follow Jesus one day at a time. We abide in Christ. And as you abide in Christ, as you wait patiently for the Lord... He inclines, He hears your cry, He brings us out of the pit, he makes, he, he makes us mindful of our sin. He invites us to repent over and over and over again. And then He puts a new song in our mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. So that becomes every thought, every word, every action of my life this week is worship. Worship is not just what you do on Sunday. Worship is all of life pointed to God. All of life. So uh, that's where even making the peanut butter s- sandwiches is worship. Are you tracking with this? All of life is worship. Even doing your expense reports. Oy. I hate it. I mean, like, Even pastors have to do expense reports. Right? I hate it. I I never want to do it. My toilets are never cleaner than when I have to do my expense reports. (laughs) Do you know what I'm saying? But, But this is the thing. All of life, cleaning the toilets, doing the expense reports, telling the good news of Jesus Christ, telling what God has done for you, both in the church and out of the church, is all flowing from that abiding. In closing, Where are the Christians in America today who calmly and humbly rely on God? Where are the Christians in America today who calmly, humbly rely on God? Where are the Christians who simply and quietly wait upon the Lord to be their rescue, to be their strength? Where are the Christians Who do not boast in themselves or in human leaders. Who look not to the proud or to idolaters. What would it look like if this church, Byron United Methodist Church, in 2020 became a place where we all wait patiently for the Lord. And we humbly allow God to do God's will in all of our lives. What would a church look like that was just waiting on the Lord? Not chasing the next thing. Waiting on the Lord for leadership, for guidance, for sustaining, for direction. What would it be like to be a part of a church where we cannot do anything except sing the new song that God has given to us? Don't you want a new song this year? Don't you want your life to praise God? Don't you want to have joyful obedience? And by the way, I didn't even get into this, but did you notice how he even threw the sacrificial system under the bus in the Old Testament? Sacrifices and burnt offerings you don't desire? (laughs) Tell that to Leviticus and Deuteronomy. (laughs) God seems to want it pretty badly, but what's he saying? You don't want us going through the motions of our worship. You don't care about our burnt offerings and our sin offerings. You care about our hearts. What would it look like to be in a church where we've got a joyful song on our lips because God is doing something new in my life today, this year? What would it be like to have nothing left to do but to just tell of God's marvelous deeds in the Great Assembly? I want to tell you how good God is today. Let me tell you how good God is being to me this week. Right? What if, this is what it says, many people will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. What if? We waited upon the Lord. And what if many people... I, I, I got to be frank. I keep hearing people go, man, attendance sure is down. Attendance sure is down. Yeah, it is. Okay. So? So what? What are you going to do about it? What are we going to do? The Scripture says, if we'll wait upon the God, He'll put a new song in our mouth. And it says, many people will see And fear the Lord. Not through our anxious strivings. Not through our talent. Not through our energy. Through humbly relying on God. And doing what He says. I don't really want anything other than that. When I'm in my right mind. What if many people would see the Lord? Wouldn't that be great in Byron, Georgia, if many people saw the Lord in you? And many people put their fear in the Lord, holy fear, reverence, awe, wonder, worship. And when they put their trust in the Lord because of the song that God has put in your mouth, a new song in your mouth, a new song in my mouth, a new song in all of our mouths this year in 2020. We're going to sing this beautiful song, Here I Am, Lord. And we're going to pray. And you're invited if you would like anointing for healing or if you would like anointing for God to put a new song in your mouth and put you on a firm. I mean, just this week I, I told my dear friend Kirk, I was like, Kirk Morris, I, I was having lunch with Kirk. I said, I just want a firm place to stand. I feel like I'm always, this culture, I mean, this, this life is just always blowing you down. I just want a firm place to stand. I'm with you. You know what I'm saying? I'm asking God, put me on the rock. If you would like a firm place to stand in 2020, if you would like a fresh outpouring of God's grace in your life, come sing, pray where you are if you'd like. Come pray up here. If you'd like anointing for God's provision and power in your life, come on. Lord, uh, send your Spirit. And Lord, just let us open our hearts to you. In Jesus' name, amen.